Set your phasers on funky. It's Star Trek, the Rebel Universe on the Atari ST Show, episode 13. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Atari ST Show. I'm John. And I'm Aaron. And today, Aaron, we're going to be talking Trek. Oh, yes. <laughs> Woo, finally. I've been waiting a long time. Now, Aaron, everybody knows you're a big original series mark. You got that You got that right, boy. But on the original series, who is your favorite character? Oh, man. I love them all equally. But if I had to single one guy out, it was Spock. I'm a big Spock fan. Because I literally, he that character sort of molded the way I look at stuff. Mm. It's not good for me because Spock's logical. And so I try to approach everything with a logical mind. Right. And, try to, and did no one else on Earth is logical. <laughs> Spock would not ever make it on a current Earth. It wouldn't happen. <laughs> but yeah, I love Spock. But right, I do. I love all the original crew. I love all, even some of the geeks that you didn't see all the time. I like them too. I just, they're, it's great. Who is the? Who do you think is the most undervalued <laughs> Trek character on the original series? Or underused, underutilized? Underutilized? Yeah. Oh man! It, I, honestly, because if you think of the secondary characters, right, your Horas and and Chekos and and uh, Sulu's, then you've got your mid tier guys, Bones and and uh, and Scotty, and then you've got the you know, and Roy Bones sort of almost is a top tier guy. So it's got probably Sulu, in all honesty, because although Chekhov, the funny thing about both those guys is they're both g- really good actors. And they both went on to do, I mean, like, Chekhov's turn on Babylon 5 was out. So he played the villainous guy. He was so good at it. He was such a scumbag, mm-hmm. you know. He would he would have, he could have done anything on the show. Sulu would have been awesome to do anything. He was great. He's a guy who's, he's well-read, good-looking. He was, ac- he was athletic. He could have done anything. Her, again, she sort of ebbs up into the middle layer but they underutilized her too. I mean, she sang on the show, she danced on the show. But I mean, they could have done more with her. But they really just had a super talented cast, mm-hmm. you know. But probably, I don't know. I think it's tough. It's a toss up between uh, Chekhov and Sulu. They're both very good. And now you didn't watch much original show, did you? Mm-hmm. Have you seen any of them? Yeah, I saw the one with the guy. His face is half white and half black. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah. That was okay. Although you know, one of those guys was the same dude that played the Riddler. Oh on, yeah, uh, on the uh, original Batman. So, yeah, yeah. I'm trying to think about what his name is, and I, can't I, I used to know it, but I I used to know a lot of stuff. So you were you're not enamored with the original? Well, show. it's not that I'm not enamored with it. It's just yeah. that I haven't really ever taken the time to watch it. Really, it should be on your list. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm telling you, I know people are like, oh, look at this. What it, what makes it so much different and better than the later tracks? Well, a bunch of stuff. The, the writing's better. It's the acting is way better. The dialogue because everybody way makes better. fun of what they consider to be Kirk's yeah. over the top. Acting. See that is a that's a that's stupid and wrong. It's wrong because Kirk made that whole show hum. He's a he's an energetic. You got to look at what science fiction was in the early days. Okay, in the, in the like in the serials, everything was over the top. You had your Buck Rogers and your Flash Gordons. Or Batman. These guys were all, you know, up in your face type heroes. Mm-hmm. There was still a little. There was still enough of that left in Kirk's performance. But he also, he was versatile. He could get angry, but he was a leader. He was a flam. Think about it. This guy's the leader of the number one flagship in the entire in the of all the ships that they had 
and you know, in the Federation of Planets, he was the number one guy. Well, you know, if you meet anyone like a MacArthur, these guys, these guys are flamboyant, and they're sometimes you can consider them arrogant. But what he was was fun to watch. That's mm-hmm. what made it great. He was fun to watch. Is he going to go hook up with the alien chick? You got that right. Is he going to call out the jerk? Yeah. Is he going to overpower some geek? Yeah, he's going to pound somebody. That's what was fun about him, mm-hmm. you know. And what they did on the show that made it so great was the dynamic between him and the other crew members because they were all different, you know. Spock was so reserved that sometimes it was a fault. And Bones was sort of aggressive sometimes, or he didn't think things through. Same thing with Scotty, you know. You had that dynamic made the show work. And then what it, the show had was top shelf. Now, not every episode was perfect, I'll grant you, but no show is. But it had top shelf writing, top shelf, because they could pick from the finest writers of the era. And then you also had uh, the blend that in with the acting, and they sort of almost had like a carte blanche, kind of do stuff that they wanted. It worked. Now, uh, um, did it have 1960s era special effects and stuff? Yeah, but I mean, if you look at the era, I thought the, I think the special effects hold up quite nicely, if you mm-hmm. want the truth. And it's a, the show is a total package. I wish they had more episodes with the original crew, and the movies were a mixed bag. There were a couple really good ones, a couple really bad ones, and some that were in between. But I mean, you can't fault the crew for that. The, the actual actors were, that's what made the show go. Really, all the shows were like that. So, yeah, I'm, I'm very passionate about the original Trek. Okay. Well, I'm, you know, this this game is one of the few games that feature the original cast. And oh, so yeah. I, I figured that we would uh, we would spend a little time. I know that you're very you're a passionate fan. That is. I could talk about it all night. If you want so, the truth. But now it's time to talk about the game. Yeah, because I got a lot to say about this crazy game, too. <laughs> so this is uh, Star Trek... The Rebel Universe. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Cool name. Yeah, yeah. 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 And so I thought before we we go into the uh, the story of the game, we talk a little bit about the background. Okay. All so right. this was uh, published by Firebird yeah. Software. Prolific uh, publisher. Yeah. They uh, they released about two hundred games. Yeah. Two hundred games. That's a lot between nineteen eighty four and nineteen ninety. Uh, they yeah, lost up with a C sixty four, I believe. A lot of yeah. ZX Spectrum. They they started out as a budget label. Yeah. Uh, for the ZX Spectrum and the C sixty four, but they they later branched out into the full price titles. When did, wasn't there a lot of those publishers with like Rainbird, the, that's Firebird, them. that's yeah. them. So all of their different birds were all under the umbrella. As it were. <laughs> Go on. I'll just skip that. Too easy. So uh, they uh, were later acquired and shut down by uh, <laughs> by Microprose UK. Doll. Yeah. Um, notable games include uh, Jerry the Germ Goes Body Poppin'. <laughs> really? Twinkie Goes Hiking. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and Muggins the Spaceman. Nice, nice. You really hunted out some good ones there. These buddy. are all these are all uh, games that were published by Firebird. <laughs> I love it. Um, game design was by Mike Singleton. Okay, uh, he did some great uh, great titles: Midwinter, uh, The Lords of Midnight. Yeah. Uh, so uh, you know this guy knew what was up. He also yeah. I thought was interesting. One of his later works was a game based on the ring cycle. Are you familiar with the ring cycle? I don't think so. So the ring cycle is based on uh, Norse mythology. Okay. And uh, was adapted by Richard Wagner into one of these epic operas. This is one of these like 13-hour operas. And a lot of the themes from oh, the wow. ring cycle were actually stolen by Tolkien 
and put into the Lord of the Rings. Oh, okay. I was wondering if there was a connection there. Yeah. Was, well, well done, Boat. And I didn't so know that. Uh, I had no idea that there was a PC game based on the Ring Cycle, and it looks to be like a, a like a sort of like remember the early Elder Scrolls games, like yeah. Part One and Part Two. Morrowind. Yeah, that, stuff, yeah. yeah. It kind of looks like that. Probably it didn't review well, and as far as I can tell, uh, it is. L- Less than well known. We're not going to put that one on the list, is what you're saying? No, I wouldn't. Still kind of neat. That's good, good, good knowledge. Buddy. Yeah, the art in this game is by Stephen Kane. Uh, Stephen Kane did Knights of the Sky. Love that. One of your favorites. Yeah, and also, Silent Service Two, which we we, we both like that. Yeah, one too. we both like that one. Yeah. Uh, programming was done by a guy named G.P. Everett. Mm. And I don't think GP is actually either one of his initials. That's just what he went by. Grand Prix. Call me GP. I like it. Yeah. Uh, And he did the FM Towns version of one of your favorites, Aaron, Microcosm. Oh, that's the Brent's least favorite (laughs) Amiga game of all time. In fact, it's the least favorite game he ever did on the show. Right. Wow. Caused him physical harm. Yeah. Uh, he also programmed Frankie Goes to Hollywood for the ZX Spectrum. Well, that was a game that hit a, that was pretty good game for what it was. So this is uh, this is an all-star cast. Yeah, came together yeah. to make this one. Uh, this was released in 1987, <laughs> and uh, it was put out for the C64, and DOS, and of course the Atari ST. Okay, so I'll give you the background here, Aaron. Yes, I read this and I was I was stunned. Okay, so Starfleet Command is uh, is alerted to something going on in the in the in the galaxy. Basically, what's happening is you've got these Federation ships that are flying into this sector, and they're turning traitor. They're turning heel. They're I turning ask. heel. They're 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 joining up with the Klingons. Okay, and so what happens is is that for some reason they have the power to physically seal off vast areas of space. Yeah. Why they've neglected to use this in the past. <laughs> that would have been handy around the neutral zone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, if you can throw up a bubble around any place you want to block off, yeah. and you have the potential to seal it off forever, they call it a Klein sphere. Yeah, Aaron. that's cool. <laughs> a Klein sphere. And so uh, what they do is before they activate the Klein sphere, they send in the Enterprise. Of and they course, say, you're yeah. our last hope to figure out what's been going on. And it turns out that the on one of these planets... There is this crystal that the Klingons are using for mind control. Yeah. Mind control. That old that old saw. So yeah. anyway, what they're doing is whenever a uh, a Klingon ship will will be hanging out and the Federation ship will approach it, and because of Federation law, they're not allowed to uh, to act in a, in an aggressive way. So while they're just kind of doing the flyby, the Klingons activate the mind control sphere, and then boom. Yeah, they've they've got him. Okay, and so your 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 job in this game is to go locate the, the the source of these crystals, find the crystals, beat the Klingons, and get out of there. And yeah, you, and you've got and this is this takes place over a, a large span of time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This isn't your typical thirty minute episode <laughs> of Trek. <laughs> no. They give you five full years, yes. five years, yes. as Bowie said, to uh, to get this done. <laughs> <laughs> the you know uh, if I may comment on the opening please, story please um, the the fact you mentioned that the Klein Spear if you're talking they call this the Rebel Galaxy or Universe because this is a whole huge area it's that's a rebellion. huge area secondly I like the fact that they just casually throw in all by the way some Romulans in there. <laughs> uh, the, 
Yeah. They, and they and they're and the Robinwoods are don't care. It's like they don't. <laughs> they're just living their lives. And you my know? favorite part of this story was you said they the Federation had sent some ships in. They got they didn't send some ships, they sent twenty ships. Twenty <laughs> you'd think starships. After like five or six of these, they'd be like, something's going on here. Yeah, I don't know how many starships that the Federation had at this point, but they sent twenty starships into this. Why would you keep doing that? It seems weird. And then why would they think the Enterprise would suffer any other fate? Well, I if it's yeah. happened twenty out of twenty right. times. Because it, it could if it's a natural phenomenon or something, they would it wouldn't matter how great Kirk exactly. is. Exactly. But yeah, exactly. I guess they just assumed that Kirk's the man. But yeah, so the I will say the uh the uh, the build up the backstory this a little goofy yeah but I mean they do set the parameters of the game they I will do. say that now Aaron if you were going to describe what this game is how would you describe it I would say that this is a, this is a very typical game for the Star Trek crew and both all the crews this is the kind of game they get it's a game where it simulates you playing and you're controlling the whole crew. And, and using the con- crew to control the Enterprise to go around. Uh, there are a few wrinkles that you don't normally see, but this is a, kind of the same thing you see on a lot of the games of this era and involving the Enterprise. Because I guess their feeling was, hey, we can let everyone, everyone wants to be Scotty, everyone wants to be Kirk, so they're putting you in those roles. And I guess that's sort of still popular to this day. That, you know, when they're some kind of Star Trek... They bridge do, simulator. Bridge simulator, yeah, so... That it was it, not Brig Simulator. That's yeah, not Brig. nearly as fun. That's if I was on the ship. <laughs> but uh, so I mean, I would call this now. This may be one of the earliest attempts at this. I'm not sure, but I think there were several games earlier than this. But I think this is sort of the way they a lot of those games approached the the topic of Star Trek. Mm-hmm. Does that sound like about right to you? Yeah, yeah. And so the way that they do this is that this game plays out like a strategy title most of the time. Okay. Yeah. Uh, they really, you know, their their aim in this game was to simulate every aspect of the Star Trek uh, world, okay? Everything from piloting your ship to laying in a course to beaming down to planets to going on away team missions to fighting other ships to exploring, you know, planets that you don't know anything about. Everything is contained in this game. Yeah, it sounds like a lot when you put it like that. And it is a lot. Well, it is, but it's, I mean, uh, go ahead. But yeah, I guess you're right. So... What can you do in particular in this game? Well, you start out with a view of the bridge, okay? This game is graphically impressive in some areas. Yeah, well, well, I know the one it's not. (laughs) But yeah, the bridge, let's talk about that. The characters, their close-ups look great. Mm -hmm. They're great looking. And there's a classic shot that you get on the bridge where all of the characters, all the main characters, all seven People are visible. Yeah. And they're all, you know, their eyes are looking at what's going on. Right. Okay. And so you select a character by clicking on that character. Every character has one or more things that they do. Okay. Just like on the ship. Yeah. So go ahead. You're familiar with the crew more than I am. Tell me the, sure. the characters and what they do. Well, uh, of course, Uhura takes care of the communications. Mm-hmm. Okay. Spock will take care of the sciencey stuff. He's a science officer. Uh, and in the game, he also gives you an update on the condition of the ship. Mm-hmm. Okay, Scotty gives you an update on the condition of the engines. Uh, it's funny. Uh, Kirk uh, will tell you, uh, like he has a star log. He tells you the stuff you've captured. You can also go to like a storage for through him. And also, you can sh- pick an away team when you get to that part. Which I'm sure we'll talk about. The really the funny thing is, most of the time, at, just like real life. 
the B team guys are the ones that you hit to work with the most, which are Chekhov and Sulu. Sulu's a navigator. So in Sulu's uh, area, you've got to pick a, a, a system to fly to. And then once you get to the system, you can pick a planet within the system to fly to. And you also have to turn the engines on and off. How fast, How what warp speed are you going to go? What? How much impulse power do you want to go? That's what he does. And then Chekhov is your weapons guy. He will uh, acquire targets. He will, uh, uh, will turn on and off phaser banks, uh, photon torpedoes. He does the targeting. He does the shooting. Mm-hmm. There you go. Yeah. And so... Uh, oh, Bones tells you all the crew's health. And so at this point, you have free reign to do what you want. This is a open-ended game. Uh, it's, a, it's a totally open world. You can accomplish whatever you want to in whatever way you, you can. Uh, now, uh, the game does give you some hints on what you need to do. And I thought that that was that was appreciated. Yeah. Uh, you, in fact, the game gives you some strategies for winning, uh, and the game also takes you through the entire um, the entire um, system for navigating to a planet. Yeah, you talk about the book, right? The yeah, book, the book, the, book, yeah. the manual. And so the game doesn't give you jack. The game doesn't give you anything. Yeah. You've got to read the manual. Yeah, the only game. every once in a while. A her, I will be like, hey, Klingon sighted in sector blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Then that you can use that as a hint. But for the most part, the book is very handy. Right, right. And so the, the gameplay loop in this game is essentially you have to, you, you pick out a planet that you want to go to. You set in a course. You go, you adjust to the proper warp level. You travel to the planet. then Or you travel to the, the, the sector. Then you have to negotiate your, your route to a particular planet. Right. And then you use impulse power to go to that planet. Correct. You're like you're like a seasoned Star Trek pro. Thank this you. This game has really done it for you. The, I, I learned about Star Trek playing yeah, this game. This game. I mean, the funny thing about a game like this, because I mean, I watched it for years and have watched it my whole life. Everything you need to know to play this in terms of the actual functioning of the ship, you know already. Mm-hmm. It's exactly like the show. And that's a good thing. Yeah. When, like, that's it, a good when, thing. When you're under attack, there's a big red bar that flashes that says red alert. You go in the weapons area. It's all there. So then you go to the transporter room and you load up your team. So you can beam six people down to a planet. Well, you gotta, you got to leave one behind to beam you back up. Well, you got to remember, the first when you go to a planet in the system, to go to a point where you can beam down, you have to go to a planet that has a breathable air. Right, so you got to talk so, to Spock yeah, and he will tell you. There's tons of them that don't. Right. Okay, go ahead. Okay, you beam down yeah. and then the game changes. Okay. Well, no, boy, does it change. All right. <laughs> so you beam down, and you get seven identical pictures of the Enterprise in boxes that frame the screen. Yeah. You have six portraits of your character, and then on the left side, you have a very, very simple uh, line drawing yeah. of what a the game simple. wants you to see. Like a door, right. a gun. Right. Yeah. So when you beam down, you have this whole planet, you know, apparently that's in front of you, but you're only allowed to interact with one point in this planet. The, the, let's just, just say it. The, the, the beaming down blows. Yeah. The, now, I will say, uh, if you look in the book, like, and they've got a zillion things you can acquire mm-hmm. on an away mission, all right? But 
graphically and gameplay-wise, it stinks. Now, what you could get advice from your different criminals as to what to do. Well, and that's the thing. Okay, so you were talking about, you know, Star Trek. What is the genius of Star Trek? Well, the genius of Star Trek is that you have this crew of people that are all different and cool in different ways. You know, they all have their flaws. They all have their strengths. And where this game, you know, this the only saving grace of this this not great part of the game is that when you talk to the various members of your crew, they respond to you in ways that I assume reflect their personality. Right. Yeah. So it's like Bones is aggressive. Right. And Scotty's aggressive, and and Spock tries to be scientific. Yes, uh, that they they try to simulate their personalities. Right. Yeah, I would agree. And so essentially, what you do is you are going from planet to planet trying to collect, find items, and to do this, you have to open doors and do various things, various simple text adventure type things. Yeah. Uh, it's literally one thing. Right. And then you either succeed or you fail. Right. And you beam stuff back to the, the ship, and these are items that you need to get to the uh, to find the, the planet with the crystals on it. You find the crystals, you beat the Klingons, and you escape and see the game. Now... And you can also get hurt on your underway mission. Right. We should mention that. There are... Now, what we haven't mentioned is what I think is the worst part of the game. The worst part of the you game... You think something's worse than the The worst part mission? of the game is not the line drawings on the away mission. All missions. right, I gotta hear this. The worst part of the game for me is the combat. Oh, I, I didn't mind it that you much. Didn't, you didn't... To me, the mm. combat was extremely clunky. It involved far too many clicks clicking around... You have to negotiate between various screens. You have to see, you have to look at your radar screen. Then you have to look at your main screen. And I just didn't like it. I, I, I never mastered it, and I got killed all the time. So here's how it works, if you'll indulge me. Okay. First of all, you pick, on, you pick Chekhov. You run everything through Chekhov. Mm-hmm. First, there'll be a, you'll see a, a big picture of like a Klingon or a Romulan ship, and it'll be like, bam, red alert, we're under attack. Mm-hmm. And you'll be under attack by one or more ships. You flip over to check off at, with his firing positions, and you'll see a, a flat map with the Enterprise and then various other targets. Now, this is your classic 3D map. Mm-hmm. Now, I'll admit that the way you move the map and rotate it, it's not what I would call the best. It's the worst. They've got these letters on the screen that you use. But, I mean, it's not that tough to pick a target. So, when you see a Klingon, you just click on it with the mouse. Okay, so you've targeted him, mm-hmm. and he'll come up, on a big screen in a wireframe, right? And uh, and you've targeted him, and then you've got on uh, uh, on each corner of the screen, you've got a red dot. Then you they still can't fire. Right. Then you roll over and you turn on the phaser banks you want to use, and you also or the tor- or the proton uh, photon torpedoes. Then you click back on the targeting, and then you can click on those corners of the screen, and they will shoot that particular weapon, right? Because you that way you can sort of conserve because you've got. These days, you can't just go nuts. You'll right. run out. And then when you destroy the enemy, he doesn't blow up. It just sort of just goes away. He just shrinks, and he's gone. That you get credit for killing him. And and then later on, by the way, you can go to the captain, and he keeps track of all the kills you've racked up. That's it. If you've got multiple targets, once you've dispatched the first one, you go back to that round map with the targets on it. You click on the second one. You do the same thing. Now, the whole time this is happening, you are being, uh, you're being shot. So your ship is taking damage at this point, uh, and you can go uh, it, there. You can actually go places to get your ship repaired. But for a long time, if you're out, if you don't find them, if you're out in the middle of nowhere, you're just basically boned. 
Uh, and so that's how combat works. It listen, it's not the most elegant, but it well, is very much like the show. And I, I appreciate that your your explanation. The problem that I have with it is not anything that you said. It's the fact that all of these different actions take place on different screens. Yeah. If they could so have they some, if they could have somehow combined, you know, clicking on the phaser button or clicking on the phaser bank you wanted to use, then firing, you didn't have to move, leave the screen. To me. It just seemed like I was getting blown up while I was clicking around because I would forget stuff because this is also an icon-driven game. In real time. there Yeah, there are, it is written on the screen, but they're written in real tiny letters and it's not easy. You almost kind of have to memorize what you where you need to go. Well, listen, it's not elegant. It is, show, it is show-like, sure. but I mean, it's not elegant. And I will say this game is, this game does some, I'm not going to call it bad, but odd stuff. You've got the main view screen, then you've got these squares that go around that screen, and they will change depending on what you've clicked last. And so what you get is sort of a, a random stuff around those squares. And so you can sort of use those to go back and forth, but it's still weird. Like, did you find that? I mean, I like that. I like what they did, but I wish there was, and maybe there's some order to it that I don't understand, but it's it was it was strange. It was almost like using Windows. It would like, you know, your window would still be down here to click back onto. It, it, what I liked about it is that it was very fast. That you never get any lag when you're clicking between the screens. Yeah. Everything is very, it very, is. yeah, everything is very, very responsive. Yeah. Um, but I just wish that they could have designed things a little bit differently so you didn't have to click through so many screens to get to what you wanted, yeah. particularly in situations where things were happening in real time. Yeah. Now, with all that said, like I, as I mentioned a little bit ago, we were talking about the away team. There's tons of stuff you can get. Mm-hmm. I don't know how much you... I don't think you can really do much of anything with that stuff, but there's tons of stuff in the book. There's a big, huge section of crap you can pick up. Right. You know, this game... I like this game. I will say that. Would I play it over and over? No. Because better versions of this game came out. Mm-hmm. But I like what they did here. Uh, I like the the graphics. I like the menus. Like I said, the one thing for me, it's easy to get around because I knew because I, I watched the show. And once you understand how movement works, you're okay. But there's also some cheap stuff in it. It's a game of its era. Like one time, I went to warp and just exploded, and Spock said, "Oh, you should have listened to what Scotty said." We didn't say nothing. That's because he had to click on Sky to get him to talk. Mm-hmm. And normally, when you click on, we didn't say nothing. Right. You know, most of them don't say nothing. You know, or like her, if she hadn't said, hey, they said go here, I would have had nowhere to go. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you just are just driving around. Right. And I think that, you know, again, from the perspective of the designers, they were like, well, we want to simulate what it would be like. Right. And you're basically looking for a needle in a haystack. But that doesn't always make for the most fun gaming experience. Yeah, and I agree. The combat, again, it's, it is it is show-like. And I think that was the number one priority or the prime directive of Ooh, this ship. You know I, I mean? like that. I think they wanted you to get the feeling that you were running the ship and you got to be all your favorite guys. I think that was the main thing. And the rest of it, they sort of tacked on and to make a game out of it. But as a game, as an experience, it's fun. Yeah. As a game, it's, it's I'm not going to say it's random, but there's a lot of what do I do now mm-hmm. elements to it. Or mm-hmm. And I mean, I didn't find the combat all that difficult. But I, it, it is tough to run out of stuff. You've got to find places to go to renew your stuff. The, every time on the away missions are goofy. Like, I wish they could have done something else with that. It, that really seems like an area where they just sort of cheaped out. Yeah. 
I looked at this. Did you happen to look at this on, the, on any of the other systems? I looked at the C64 version of oh, it. Oh, no, I didn't. Let's see and what we got here. It's actually, I, it looks eerily similar. I yeah. mean, really, I have to say I was surprised uh, at how good it looks. Yeah, the UI you know? and everything is, is still there. So I would wager it's probably pretty similar. I mean, if mm-hmm. you look at it, they did a good job mm-hmm. with it, you know. Um, but I, I don't know it's any different, you know, in terms of gameplay-wise. But I think this is a game, like I said, of its ear. And I'll, here's the thing I wanted to get to about showing the comparison. This is the Atari ST, and as good as the graphics are, uh, you could expect more. You really could. I don't, what, what years did you say this thing came out? 1987. So early in. Mm-hmm. So I, I want to give them a pass. But, I mean, you are sharing the space with the, with the 8 bits here. You know, you could have had photos if you would wanted to here. You could have had, well, well, they have digitized sound. But they could have had more. Yeah, they could have had more. Like they could have had some tunes. What I would have liked. Music. What I would have liked is when it, whenever you click on the bridge, if they could have just had the, you know, the just the you know the ambient the, noise the, of yeah, the bridge. The, yeah, the, the bridge. sonar and all yeah, that. You can junk. Just, you can get on YouTube. And just they have some, like that loop of like ten hours. Right. You can just right. Set around. Starship sound. But I mean, yeah, that would have been cool. There's there and the digitized sound they got in this. It's I mean, it's cool. It's there, but it's not like I would it's, call it world class. It's eight bit level. It's for slightly sure. above world class leaderboard. Yeah. Basically, which it's a why. Right. This is the. I mean, again, here we are. I'm not going to knock this game because it's better looking than most of the games we played. It's it's certainly quicker and more functional than most games we played. But it's not. I mean, eighty-seven. You get a small. You get this is the last year. You get a pass on stuff like mm-hmm. this. And then I would expect a little bit more. Yeah. But overall, I thought it was a decent. I, I thought it was a decent experience. It's not something I'd want to go back and play over and over. When I look at a game like this, I look. You know, I look at licensed games in a different way, and I say, does this give me the feeling of being on an episode or on? You know, it does this give me the same feeling that I want to have? If I'm playing a game that's based on Star Trek, and I think the answer is yes. Yeah. This game gives you, it lets you do all the stuff that you want to do. It lets you pilot the Enterprise. It lets you beam down. Yeah. So uh, this game gets a pass for me. I don't think it's, a, I don't think it's a bad game. I yeah. think there are sections where they cheaped out and they could have done more. Yes. But as a Star Trek fan, if I was a Star Trek fan in 1987 and I had an ST. I would not be disappointed by picking this right. up. Right, and the thing is, the game you you play the game in conjunction with the manual. Yes, and the manual is not huge no. either, but it's it gives you enough to get you in the mood. Even though the story's goofy, mm-hmm. it, it puts all the old elements in the show. You've got a zone, you've got the Romulans, you've got the Klingons, you've got co- space combat. You know, uh, I like all that stuff. It's fun to like. Uh, when you plot a course to a planet inside a system, it gives you, you a see, map. I love that. And and I love to see your little or, guys. You go in orbit yeah. of the sun. Mm-hmm. I like all that. So, I mean, they got a lot of the stuff. I think that's the part they got the most right. Right. I think what they forgot to tackle on was the game part to make that more enticing. Mm-hmm. You know, but mm-hmm. I mean... Listen, we've played some duds. Listen, this is and this is this thing is not a dud. This is what I think. I think if you are a Star Trek fan and you pick this up, you're going to be happy. But yeah. if you're not a Star Trek fan, there is not a game here for you. Right. And I will say the art is worth seeing, and it's not just the Enterprise crew. There's there's out there's the other ships. Mm-hmm. There's also the planets. Yeah, they do it, some nice. There's some real nice artwork. In and here. you know, if they could somehow combine a game like this with a game like Elite. Then you'd really have something. Yeah. Because you've got the graphical, you know, you've got character portraits, you've got personality, you've got ship crewmates and stuff. Yeah. If you could combine that with sort of the endless fun 
of the of the elite universe and yeah. the trading and all that stuff. I mean, to me, that would be a match made in heaven. I agree because that's one thing that you don't get with the elite games is that it, I mean, you don't feel like that you're in a spaceship. You don't mm-hmm. feel like you've got a crew. Right. You don't feel like you can go to different areas. I like that. Sundog gave you a little bit of that. Mm-hmm. This mm-hmm. is a nice companion piece to Sundog. Yeah. Sundog, if you fleshed it out more and improved the graphics, because I mean, Sundog's a way better game than this. Don't get me wrong. Mm. It's tons better, but they, graphically, this is a nice, the graphics on this are nicely done. Now, uh, this game uh, reviewed okay. Uh, <laughs> when it first was released, it reviewed very well. Uh, 11 out of 12, 9 out of 10 from computer video games. 11 out of 12? Games. Yeah. That's, what, they give a bonus credit, listen, extra credit? this is one of those German magazines. Oh, man. Okay? Their numbers are different over yeah. there. Yeah. Power play, 8 out of 10. Uh, but uh, as time wore on, the the, the score started to, to slip. And uh, towards the end, in 1989, the last recorded review I found, 623 out of 1,000 from Advanced Computer Entertainment. <laughs> What is going on? Is that the metric grading? <laughs> you know, but the thing is, that's not fair. <clears throat> Look what happens in two years. Right. I mean, when you review the game, I mean, it's probably, it came out of budget release or whatever, mm. and it was probably two pounds or something like that. But I mean, in of its era, I don't think there's anything wrong with it. Yeah, yeah. We did get some discords here, uh, Discord reviews. Our first one comes from Salem OK. He says, I have never played this game before. I only recently watched Gears of Games Let's Play video, so I had just a small idea of what I was in for. However, on my Trekkie wife's advice, I just watched this summer the classic Star Trek series as a preamble to watch the Fantastic Strange New World series. Yes, well, good wife. Good wife. And boy, was it worth it. I was a Star Trek Philistine before, (laughs) but with all my recently acquired context, I was eager to put some time into this game, which which does require lots of it. For a 1987 release on the ST, it was quite the technical showcase. Lots of digitalized sound bites from the original series, very nice pixel art of the characters, nice YM2149 rendition of the theme music, a lot to like for a 1987-era Trekkie who also owned some of the first 16-bit machines around. Gameplay-wise, well, this is a must-read-the-manual type of game. Mm, yes. The interface is extremely clunky, which is to be expected at that time when mouse interfaces were completely new and developers were feeling around what could be done with it. Once you've read the manual, gotten familiar with the battle sequence, the landing party sequence, and some of the elements of the navigation, <laughs> then you can start exploring. Managing your resources is kind of fun, and as I was happily grinding, killing enemies, and replenishing my weapons, warp engines, and repairing the Enterprise for a while... But it gets old fairly quickly as you don't get anywhere in the story. And to get anywhere, you must figure out how to navigate to specific coordinates. The navigation system is easy enough within a planetary system, but if you want to get to certain specific coordinates, it's very frustrating. I spent quite a bit of time trying to wrap my head around it and figured out that you have to hop from system to system trying to get closer and closer to the coordinates you're looking for. After watching a playthrough, I realized that stopping mid-course to readjust your trajectory is a good idea. It's repetitive and frustrating as you just want to get from point A to point B and makes it uh, makes the game a chore unnecessarily. The battle part is stressful with the red alert uh, the red alert beep screeching at you, but they can be switched off. Kind of makes sense though, since you can reasonably expect to get rid of your enemies as long as you manage your resources, and it mimics somewhat what I imagine Chekhov is doing on his controls in the original series. Is it fun though? No, not really. The landing party sequences feel undercooked. Very rudimentary, one-color drawings of the objects and surroundings and a limited interactivity. It's not very fluid, once again, but you can find objects and beam them aboard or get some useful information. So, 
compared to interstellar navigation, it gets the job done. All in all, it was a valiant effort for the time to make the best of the license in a high-quality looking game for both Trekkies to and to showcase what the ST could do, but the result is a flawed game that is only mildly entertaining and has very frustrating parts. Uh, he did enjoy, or I did enjoy myself immensely in the story and reading through the manual though, all the different objects, tours of the planets, etc. would not be out of place in any of the classic series. Five out of ten. Wow. What a big review from Salem. Good he, stuff. He said it would be less without emulation and the ability to fast forward. Yeah. Pajaco 6502 writes, A fantastic Star Trek themed game with lovingly drawn artwork and a menu system that is fitting for a Star Trek game. It has just one thing missing, the game. Ah! Yep. <laughs> Mostly just clicking and waiting ages for something to happen. The rest of the game is aimlessly wandering from planet to planet, interspersed with repetitive battle sequences while the red alert sounds blare in the background. There is no information on the planet, so you have to visit each one only to find you can't beam down and move on. I managed to find one planet to beam down to and found my way blocked by a door. Yep, I have the whole planet to beam down to and I'm beamed behind a locked door. Yeah. Scotty clearly has been at the booze again. There is very little audio in the game, and more importantly, it's missing any kind of affirmation sounds when you click to do things like enable yeah. the warp drive. Yes, that is a valid, very... I'm glad he mentioned it, because that would help a lot. Yeah. When you consider how deep a game Elite is, Star Trek The Rebel Universe really feels like a phoned-in effort all around, 3 out of 10. Yeah, this is this is all the pizzazz that you would like with none of the, the Elite core gameplay that you would hope for. That's yeah. true. But yeah. I mean, I still thought it was... Pretty fun. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, eBay, on eBay, I looked this up, uh, a complete unboxed copy sold for around $50 shipped from the UK. Really? Yeah. In Star Trek, that's what happened. That's right, that's right. All right, Aaron, it is time to leave Star Trek, and it's time to talk to you about the fine, fine folks that make this show happen, mm. including the game selection committee members that choose these games for us to play. Good choice Thank this you. time, yes. Thank you, Salem OK, Richard Davey, and Dave Velociraptor. Dave promised me he was going to take care of business over here. Yeah. And these guys, this is you got the crew there, so hopefully that was a good start. If you enjoy the Atari ST Show, you like what we're doing here, check out patreon.com slash Atari ST Show to see how you can help make it a weekly podcast. Uh, we also want to thank our uh, our other patrons, David Cavalieri, Control-Alt-Reese, O'Brien's Retro and Vintage, Laurent Giroux, Twilight Zoner, Wanderly Chesham, Tim Drew, Retro Jerry, and Bernard Quinn. Thank you, guys. If you like our format and you want to hear more, feel free to check out our other shows, Amigos, Everything Amiga, Iris Sinclair, and the American Take on the ZX Spectrum, The Coco Show, Gaming on the Tandy Color Computer, and ARG Presents, where Aaron and the Brent... Spin the wheel and make the deal. Mm. All of these shows can be found on the Amigos Retro Gaming YouTube channel or at anchor.fm slash Amigos Podcast. Aaron, what are we going to be playing next time? Let's see what we got here. The New Zealand Story. I've heard good things about this little one, arcade, Little arcade action here. That's right. We've been disappointed in the past. I'm hoping this is the, the real deal, both. I hope so. I hope so. So... Fine, fine, folks. It's time to get on it. If you're a member of our Discord community, uh, jump on this thing, uh, play it, and write us a review to read on next episode's show. Mm. Thank you all so much for listening, and make sure you play your Atari today.